0: Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit So Tonight, I want to try and just do a one-night uh, overview of uh, Next City. I want you to turn to the book of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 12, just for a start here. How, how's the sound? The sound all right for everybody? Okay, the uh, only reason I stand up here is just because I use the whiteboard and the overhead. It's a little bit difficult down there. It's not because I want to be sort of up here away from you all. I'd like to be uh, closer down there, but it just seems for this type of teaching session, uh, uh, it's better up here. Okay, I just want to read one for a verse from Zechariah chapter 12 here, uh, or a couple of verses I should say. Uh, verse 2 and verse 3 of Zechariah 12. Prophecy, Uh, this was given after the Babylonian captivity as we saw last week and so Zechariah says Behold I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling In the New King James it has a cup of drunkenness and in the Old King James marginal reference it has a cup of poison So if you're taking down notes just on this bit So Jerusalem being made a cup of trembling, a cup of drunkenness, a cup of poison and slumber uh, the marginal references on the old King James. All right, so I'll make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem, number two, second thing, a burdensome stone for all people, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Uh, The New King James says a very heavy stone. So two things that are prophesied about Jerusalem there. Number one, it's to be a cup of trembling or a cup of drunkenness, a cup of poison, a cup of slumber. Anybody who drinks it, pity help them. And uh, the number two, the second thing I'll make Jerusalem, a burdensome stone, a very heavy stone. And how many would say that uh, Jerusalem is, uh, we would say, a hot potato today. It's too hot for anybody to handle. But the Bible says a burdensome stone and a cup of trembling, a cup of uh, drunkenness to everybody round about. Now, as we introduce, I've just given you sort of an outline uh, tonight because it's very difficult to try and pack in, uh, you know, a couple of pages. Everything we've been looking at the Bible as a tale of two cities, and in the last uh, couple of sessions, we've been looking at Babylon. And as we've seen together in our sessions here, Genesis chapter 10 and 11, we see the uh, origin of Babylon, the beginning of Babel or Babylon. And we see that the characteristics of the city of Babylon was, it's the city of man, it's characterized by rebellion. Remember that Nimrod, he was the 13th from Adam, the interpretation of Nimrod's name means the rebel. So the city of man, its foundation was in rebellion. And as we said, anything that begins in rebellion ends in confusion. Characteristic is, is independence. Let's make us a, a tower uh, whose top will reach heaven. Let's build us a city of tower, reach heaven. And so the whole thing was brought to disorder, city of unrighteousness. And behind the whole thing is Satan, who is king of the kingdom of darkness now in the opposite here we have Jerusalem and the first implication please its implication not specification is Genesis 14 where Melchizedek uh, came from Salem king of Salem uh, which uh, implication is Jerusalem as we'll see Uh, came from the city of God uh, a city that's under submission a city that's dependent upon God a city of divine order city of righteousness and city of peace where God himself is the king. So as so we've been saying together, uh, the, the Bible is really a tale of two cities. Now, I want you to, um, I don't know if you want to take that down or not, All right. so write and listen at the same time. Now, in our sessions together in the last uh, couple of them, so we've seen that these two cities, uh, uh, Jerusalem and Babylon, are both mentioned in the book of Revelation, As we've said, uh, when when Jerusalem was up, Babylon was down, or when Babylon was up, Jerusalem was down. So uh, just the whole history of the Bible centers around these two major cities. All the other cities in the world sort of take their characteristics from what was established in these two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. So they all take their cue from the cities. Now, as we've seen together, as I say, as uh, I study the book of Revelation, these two cities are going to come more and more into prominence. Jerusalem has been. We're going to see some interesting stuff on that tonight. And also, Babylon is coming to more prominence. And uh, we don't need to take time to repeat all that we did last week on the rebuilding of Babylon and the uh, modern-day Nebuchadnezzar as he sti- self-styles himself, uh, Saddam Hussein. Now, how many have had to um, unlearn things over the years, beside me? Not, not all of us, but some of us. I, I've had to, you know, I've learned things. In fact, uh, when my first wife was with me, I preached a whole series in the book of Revelation, had great anointings on it, till I found I was wrong. <laughs> then, uh, then she, uh, well, she used to put her tithes in to support me, she got all her tithes back because I supported her because then I taught her what I believed was right. So over the years, I've h- had to unlearn a lot of things and just relearn. So I might upset a few people tonight. I might tread on your corns. We'll have a healing meeting at the end uh, if your corns are hurting too much. And it's not my fault if I'm right, is it? No. Okay. So I want to submit this to you. Okay. And if you disagree with me, disagree agreeably. Don't get mad and leave the church. Okay? Um, hmm. Thank you, Kevin. That was an excellent point. Now, how many would believe in this? I've got to move quickly because that time does. How many would uh, believe in this prayer? You hear a lot of preachers going around today and say, uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And anybody who prays for the peace of Jerusalem, God's going to bless their church and pity help you if you don't. So uh, how many have heard that First a start? All right, how many believe it's true? Hands up. How many haven't got a hand? Hands up. <laughs> how many are still fighting to getting caught? How many would like to know what I believe? <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting sight from up here. It's like this, you know. <laughs> you are a wonderful bunch. All right, let me tell you some of the things briefly I've uh, taught over the years and I had to unlearn, reading off my notes. Many expositors believe and teach that when Jesus returns the second time, he will restore the earthly Jerusalem, city of Jerusalem, to its former glory as the city of God. And the chapters that are used over that is like Ezekiel chapter 40 through the 48, the rebuilt temple of Ezekiel and the city and Zechariah 14 and so forth. And uh, so uh, Schofield, who's dead and knows better now, and a lot of his friends, they say that in the Millennial Kingdom, that earthly Jerusalem is going to be the capital city of the earth, and all the nations of the earth are going to go up to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, and if they don't keep the Feast of Tabernacles, maybe that's why some people are going up now on a misguided tour. Yeah, where'd that thought come from? Anyway, uh, that all the nations are going to go up to Jerusalem and keep the Feast of Tabernacles. If they don't, they're going to be plagued by the Lord and the Jews are going to be the head of the nations in the millennium and uh, they're going to go out from the temple to all the world and uh, they're going to preach the gospel to every creature and give them a a second chance if they missed out on their first one here. We're told that uh, Jesus will sit in the city of Jerusalem, in the millennial kingdom, and this Jerusalem will be a wonderful thing. So the question I had on my note here, is this what the Bible teaches? That's what we want to consider tonight. By the way, while I've got it in my mind, because some things slip out of my mind, um, did you know that the same Bible that tells you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem told them in the book of Jeremiah to pray for Babylon. How many have been praying for Babylon lately? (laughs) So the same Bible that tells you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem actually told them to pray for the peace of Babylon. And I don't see too many Christians running around on that. All right, thank you, Kevin. Now, take the outline here, and we're just going to have a quick overview. And as we study the history of Jerusalem in the Bible, and then uh, bring you up to date on some things, you find that uh, on one side, as we've got on, on the outline I gave you, we're looking at earthly Jerusalem at the moment. On one side, we have lots of wonderful things and good things and tremendous blessings on the city of Jerusalem. And on the other side, we have evil, we have judgment on that same city. So what I see here that the scriptures concerning the city basically fall into two streams, one of good and blessing and the other uh, of evil and judgment. Now, up to number one here, we won't have time to turn to all the scriptures, but you'll find that uh, way back in the book of Judges, uh, you'll find that um, the city of Jerusalem was originally called Jebus or Jebus, J B U S. Uh, where the Jebusites were in the land like we think of all the Canaanites, the Hittites, Parasites, parasites uh, the Jebusites and so forth so this city of Jebus or Jebus uh, was a city of the Jebusites and uh, we find that in, in, um, in Judges and that way through there nobody was able to conquer the city nobody could bring it down not even the tribe of Judah the tri- tribe of Judah actually failed to drive, drive the Jebusite out of Jerusalem and so it's not until we come to uh, First Chronicles chapter 11, if you just want to put scriptures there, squeeze them in somewhere. First Chronicles 11 and Second Samuel 5, we find that uh, David uh, conquered the city of Jebus, and uh, from then on it became Jerusalem uh, in full sense. It became the capital of the kingdom. All right, so David conquered the city. So on the, on the evil side there, you've got a Jebusite city. It was a city given over to idolatry and all forms of evil, as all the Canaanite cities were. So on the negative side, it was that. David conquers it in due time, and it became the capital of the kingdom, Jerusalem. All right, number two here. You'll notice I've broken the word up there, Jerusalem. Some of the Bible expos and commentaries break this word up and say the word Jeru or the first part of the word Jeru means righteousness. I've just put it there. Jeru, righteousness. And uh, Salem means peace. So righteousness and peace. I'd like you to go to a couple of scriptures on this because um, you find how the writers sort of play on these two words a bit. And, uh, you know, that's a whole study in so itself. Turn over to Psalm 84. Psalm eighty-four, Psalm eighty-four, or eighty-five, it might be. I'll just see here. Yes, Psalm eighty, uh, Psalm eighty-five, it is, in verse ten. This, this would be sort of a whole beautiful study in itself, but you'll see from Jerusalem, uh, it was meant to be city of righteousness and city of peace. So it says, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. So righteousness and peace. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 7, where um, uh, the writer to the Hebrews makes a lot out of this by the interpretation of the name. Hebrews chapter 7. And uh, I personally believe Paul wrote the epistle. But uh, look what he does here, because it's one of the points on your notes there. In fact, it's number three here. Hebrews 7 and verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, Melchi actually means king. Zedek, righteousness. So Melchizedek is king of righteousness. Not a righteous king, but king of righteousness. There's only one who is king of righteousness. Of the, of the 39 kings of Israel and Judah, most of them were unrighteous. There's only a few good ones, uh, but most of them were anything but righteous. So there's only one king of Righteousness. And after that also, king of Salem, which is king of peace. So we have this play on words all the way through. So, Jeru, righteousness, Salem, peace. So, uh, the city of peace. Some expires to break up the word in a twofold manner uh, to mean Jeru, righteousness, and Salem meaning peace. Thus, Jerusalem was to be the city of righteousness and the city of peace all right so i believe jesus christ is our melchizedek in fact i believe he is melchizedek he is the only king of righteousness and king of peace put down romans 14 17 without turning to it romans 14 17 the kingdom of god see whatever the king is the kingdom is like the kingdom the kingdom of god is righteousness peace and for good measure joy so if he's king of righteousness and king of peace Whatever the king is, the kingdom is. So kingdom of God is righteousness, peace. The kingdom is just like the king. King of righteousness, king of peace. All right, so Melchizedek. All right, so Melchizedek was the one who appeared to Abraham. Now I want you to turn over the book of Genesis, just uh, moving through this uh, part quickly here. Um, Genesis 14. Genesis 14. In Genesis 14 and verse 18 we're told, and Melchizedek, king, so Melchizedek, think of that, king of righteousness, king of Salem, because in this uh, chapter here we have four kings against five, like we've referred to these cities before, perhaps go back to verse 8. Um, there went out the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Adma and the king of Zeboiim and the king of Bela the same as Zor with uh, Chedorlaomer the king of Elam with title king of the nations and Amraphel king of Shinar and here we are, king of Elassah four kings with five so uh, we have the king of Babylon there the king of Go- uh, Sodom the king of Gomorrah and the surrounding cities now after all these this battle of the kings A mysterious king turns up to meet Abraham, who's the father of all who believe. And so in verse 18, Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. We have the first account of communion in the Bible. And he was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him. And said, Blessed be Abraham, the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hands. And he gave him tithes of all. And Abraham didn't give his tithes every time Dick and Harry floating around the country looking for a love offering. He must have known who Melchizedek was. Now, at this time, I'll make a statement prove it later on. Abraham must have received a promise of the city of God from this king, king of Jerusalem, King of righteousness, king of peace. We'll keep that in mind. All right, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Now in this chapter, just to remind ourselves, we have the offering in type of Abraham of his only begotten son. And you'll notice in verse 14, after the, uh, Abraham doing typically what God himself would do actually, which we referred to before, You'll notice in verse 14, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. What shall be seen? In what mount? If you go to verse 2 of the same chapter, God uh, said to Abraham, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of, so Mount Moriah, Mount of the Lord, it shall be seen, Jehovah-Jireh the sacrifice of the only begotten son, so we have uh, Abraham being met by, by Melchizedek Abraham offering Isaac on Mount Moriah, and in the Mount of the Lord it shall be seen alright, number six here Jerusalem became a very important place and uh As I've got on my notes here, the one place on this earth upon which the Lord has placed a special mark of distinction. It is Jerusalem, which is the geographical political center of the earth. It is the pivotal point of three continents, Europe, Africa, and Asia, and all the events that have taken place there. So, in Jerusalem, number five, we have the Tabernacle of David. The whole Davidic order of worship was set up there, and what a tremendous... A place of worship that was. Number six, turn over to Second uh, Chronicles. Now Second Chronicles chapter three. Second Chronicles chapter three. And uh, verse one. So now here in Second Chronicles chapter three we have uh, the fulfillment of really what was uh, seen in Genesis 22. So, 2 Chronicles 3, verse 1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, where? In Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father. So, way back there when uh, Abraham offered his only begotten son on Mount Moriah, three days' journey uh, from whence he received him from the dead in a figure. Mount Moriah, he said, Jehovah-Jireh in the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. What shall be seen? The temple, and years later, Solomon builds the temple, the house of the Lord, in Jerusalem and in Mount Moriah. So, all this, so the foundation of the temple really was upon the foundation of an only begotten son many, many years before. So, that points to Calvary's three days and three nights, and the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of an only begotten son. Remember, I've said often God often got men to do typically in the Old Testament, what he himself was going to fulfill actually in the New Testament. There at the Temple of Solomon, so we just put in brief outline on your notes there, the glory of God came and filled the temple and no one was able to minister. All right, number seven, Jerusalem was also the city where God's name was. I want you to turn over to um, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And the specific article of, uh, of the, uh, of the um, Temple of the Lord and the Tabernacle of the Lord was the Ark of the Covenant where his name was. So in Second um, Samuel chapter 6 and verse 1, again David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000 David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Bali of Judah, to bring up from thence the Ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. So the specific place where the name of God dwelt was on the Ark of the Covenant. And you'll find in Kings and Chronicles and right, right through, the Lord often refers to I have chosen the city of Jerusalem to put my name there. His name was on the ark and uh, the the name of the Lord was in the city of Jerusalem. It was a city where his name was placed. Go to uh, number uh, eight here, Psalm 122. Psalm 122, very significant psalm in the history of Israel. Psalm 122. And this was one of those songs that uh, for through the year the, uh, the, the nation of Israel had to come up to Jerusalem for the three festival occasions, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was one of those psalms that they would sing, uh, en route to Jerusalem whatever tribe they came from as they went up to Jerusalem the city of God where his name was where his house was the temple was the Davidic order of worship was it was always a great festival of time on those three feasts so the song they would sing was the song of degrees of David I was glad when they said unto me let's go up unto the house of the Lord our feet shall stand within thy gates O Jerusalem Jerusalem is builded as a city there's compact together, whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord, for there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. And you see, the, the, Josephus, a Jewish historian, tells us that as long as Israel kept the feast of the Lord, never once did an enemy attack their land. But when they failed to keep the feasts of the Lord, then the enemy came in and attacked their land. So you've got to think of this psalm in a setting there. They're going up to Jerusalem. Our feet will stand in thy gates. And the twelve gates, as the twelve tribes went in through, represented by the men, because all the males were to appear Jerusalem three times a year, representing the family, head of the house. As they would come up, they would be singing this song. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. And uh, Jerusalem's a city, compact together. And the tribes go up to the testimony, give thanks and then pray for the peace of Jerusalem, so that there's no enemy would attack the city or attack their land. And Josephus says, as long as they kept the feast, there was never enemy, ever any enemy that attacked their land. Peace within thy walls, peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren, companions' sake, I will now say, peace be within thee, because of the house of the Lord our God I will seek thy good so the city and the temple the city and the temple where the Lord was so the tribes would go up to Jerusalem for the festival occasions amidst worship joy and solemnity all right number nine quickly here in the city of David or the city of Jerusalem there was the throne of David and God said someone would always be sitting upon that throne and Jerusalem would always have a king there the city of the great king is referred to as the city of the great king See, the tabernacle of David represented the priestly ministry, but the throne of David represented the kingly ministry, so king and priest. Both those offices were divided to two different tribes. The priestly ministry was divided to the tribe of Levi, and the kingly uh, ministry was divided to the, the tribe of Judah. Then number 10, you'll notice various names that um, as I've gone through. Uh, it's called the Holy City. It's called the city of righteousness. It's called the city of uh, the joy of the whole earth. As we've already seen, it's called Jerusalem, a city of righteousness and peace. So, all these tremendous names for the greatest city upon the face of the earth, the city of Jerusalem. Then, number 11 here, it was a city where God's laws would be taught. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. And there are many, many scriptures, but uh, you find that because the priests were sent in Jerusalem, the temple was there, then as the tribes would go up, then the priests were to teach them the law of the Lord, and uh, prophecies like this would find their fulfillment. Isaiah chapter 2, and uh, verse 2 through to 3, it's Just says for the present, or well, verse 1 to 3, I'll say, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, shall come to pass in the last days the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. Many people should go and say, Come ye and let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. What for? He will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was to be the center of teaching the law of the Lord and uh, we see like a, even example in the book of Acts where the Ethiopian went up to Jerusalem as many proselytes from the different nations went up to Jerusalem to receive the word of the Lord so it was to be a city of God's laws where God's laws was taught by the priests and then number 12 very self-explanatory here it was to be a city uh, that was to bless all the nations. Uh, we were turning to the scripture. Remember when Solomon was king in Jerusalem, we're told all the kings of the earth came up to Jerusalem to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And of all the questions they asked him, he had answers. This the wisdom of God. The queen of Sheba is picked out as an example, but in a summary verse it says, All the kings of the earth came to Jerusalem to hear the wisdom of Solomon in the height of his glory there. Tremendous uh, city. Now turn over to the uh, turn across to the other side here. So lots of blessings up to up to number twelve here. Now on the evil side, as we've seen, originally it was a Jebusite city with idolatry and immorality and all the Canaanite evils. And then uh, when it became Jerusalem, the city of God. What do we find under number two on the evil side? We have. Um, 39 kings all together in the house of Israel and house of Judah. But from the house of Judah, we find there were only 8 godly kings and 12 ungodly kings. And you'll notice that all the kings... Were judged according to their attitude to the temple. Under the ungodly kings, the temple and the services and the tabernacle of David, the worship, everything just fell into, into disrepute under the ungodly kings. Whenever the godly kings came, they always had the temple cleansed, restored the Davidic order of worship and the singers and the musicians, sacrificed, and just uh, made the house of the Lord the prominent uh, thing in the nation's life. So you see, you know, godly kings, ungodly kings, and the of Jerusalem and and so forth. Uh, Number three, the temple, when the temple became defiled the city became defiled. Number four, you see over the years the priesthood became absolutely corrupted. Now as we dealt with last week when Jerusalem was up Babylon was down, when Babylon was up Jerusalem was up, so we came uh, which we dealt with last week, the Babylonian captivity and the fulfillment of uh, Leviticus 26, the fourfold desolation. Now, you'll notice there I put, uh, put some dates here uh, of the Babylonian captivity, approximate dates, and uh, when we get to sort of a bit further on, we'll see here. So, BC 606, uh, 603, Uh, There was about three incursions of the land by Nebuchadnezzar and taking captives and uh, Daniel in one captivity, Ezekiel in another captivity, then the desolation of the temple. So we have the fourfold desolation of Jerusalem, the great and holy city of God, the fourfold desolation, as I've got on your notes there, the desolation of the temple, the desolation of the city and the desolation of the people, and the desolation of the land. I want you to go back to Leviticus uh, chapter 26 again. And I do want to encourage you, if you were not here last week, you need to get uh, last week's tape. Leviticus 26. And in this chapter, I drew your attention to... What what is called the seven times punishment. But I'd like to repeat it again because of what's beginning to happen here. So in verse uh, 18, Leviticus 26 verse 18, And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Seven times punishment. Then verse 21, And if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. So seven times punishment, seven times plagues. Verse 24, Then will I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you seven times for your sins. Yet seven times for your sins. So again, seven times punishment. Verse 25. And I will bring a sword again upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. They were a covenant people. Jerusalem was a covenant city. The the temple was a covenant house of the Lord. Uh, There was a covenant land. But God says, I'll avenge the quarrel of my covenant. Verse 28. Then will I, I will walk contrary unto you also in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. Now, I'll just see this for now, and we'll see, pick it up later on. Now, uh, there's a whole study in itself. It's what we refer to as the seven times prophecy. And just briefly, for the moment, you'll find that um, God's years, not our years, But God's years had 360 days in them. Prophetic years had 360 days in them. And if you multiply 7 by 360, it gives you 2,520 days. And according to biblical prophecy and the seven times prophecy, a day becomes a year. I'll give you a day for a year. 40 days you search the land, 40 years you're going to wander. So forth we have this. So like to put this, 2,520 years. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. So from BC 606-603, the desolations fourfold, desolations Babylon, desolating the city of God. And what 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 an absolute tragedy, tragedy that was. Now number six. On this side here, on the on the negative side, so we're seeing the good things that happen about the city of Jerusalem. Looking at the negative things. All right, number six on the le- on the right-hand side, we have the restoration books. And after, as we've seen before, after seventy years desolation of the uh, of the city of Jerusalem, God said He would restore. So we have the restoration books, and we have six uh, six books there uh, on the restoration books. Uh, Three that are historical, that's Ezra, Nehemiah and Esther, the three historical books. And then also we have three prophetical books, that's uh, uh, Zechariah, Haggai and Malachi. But, on the back of your sheet you might have to put this. It's interesting, once the temple was rebuilt, so the temple was restored, okay, so we have restoration of the temple, particularly Ezra then we have the restoration of the city this is Nehemiah and Ezra we have the restoration of the city and walls under Nehemiah particularly we have the restoration of the people uh, Jewry, the house of Judah, i put and then number four we have the restoration of the land God began to bless the land with rains and so forth so a fourfold restoration there now even though the temple was restored, you will find that there were five things missing. And this is what, when Haggai, as a prophet said, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former, they couldn't understand what it meant because there were some things missing. Now let me say this while there's thoughts in my mind. The only reason, so I say the major reason, for God restoring the house of Judah to the land And we have what is referred to as the 400 silent years from Malachi onwards, the last of the prophets, restoration prophet, no prophet from Malachi through to John the Baptist, 400 silent years. The major reason for God restoring the temple and the city was to hold Judah in the land until the birth of the Messiah. That was the major reason. Now, let me give you the five things that are missing from the temple. Because you see all these things, you may say, Kevin, you're going the long way around, yes all these things have a bearing on some of the teaching that's going around today that the Jews are going to rebuild temple, the temple's going to be rebuilt in the millennial kingdom and we're going to have animal sacrifices and and, uh, the city of Jerusalem is going to be head over all the cities in in the millennial kingdom and so forth. So all these things have a bearing on it. Right? five things that were not in the restored temple. Number one, I'll just read off my note here. However, in the restored temple, five things were lacking, all of which revealed significant truth concerning God's feelings about the temple. The five things missing from the restored temple were, number one, the Ark of the Covenant. Why don't you turn over to Jeremiah chapter 3, because um, how many have heard uh, some of the things that are floating around today about the Ark of the Covenant that's been found? Anybody been reading books on that? And... Uh, and one, uh, in fact, the writer of the book, I think, uh, he says that uh, uh, they found the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Jews wouldn't let him touch it, and that it was actually right beneath Calvary's cross, and that the blood of Jesus actually dripped through the ground onto the mercy seat. Uh, no comment. Uh, I want to give you the last reference in the Bible, uh, or in the, shall I say in the Old Testament, the last reference to the Ark of the Covenant. So I'm, to tell you the truth, being a human being as I am, I'm very suspicious until I actually see the Ark of the Covenant because uh, these people say they found it and so forth. I, I just have my suspicions. Maybe it's the gift of discernment, who knows? But uh, listen to this scripture, because I don't care if they find a dozen arcs, do you know why? Jeremiah 3, are are you all breathing out there? Good. Boy, just doing that saved somebody from an accident last night. They are actually listening to a tape and going to sleep. And all of a sudden, I said, are you awake out there? Are you breathing out there? And they woke up and pulled the car back on the road. I mean, my tapes save people's lives. (laughs) And the person's here. All right, uh, back to the Bible. Okay, listen to verse 16 of Jeremiah 3, the last reference of the ark. And it shall come to pass, when you be multiplied and increased in the land in those days, says the Lord, they shall say no more, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done anymore. Four times. I mean, four neithers there. They shall say no more. Oh, the ark, the ark, we found the ark, we're going to rebuild the temple, now we've got the ark. Well, Jeremiah doesn't say that. Neither shall it come to mind. Oh, I wish we could find the ark because it disappeared under the Babylonian captivity under Jeremiah. I wonder where, it's gonna, where it is. That's not my subject tonight. I have a few thoughts. Then, neither shall they remember it. Neither shall they visit it. Neither shall that be done anymore. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. And all the nations shall be gathered unto it to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk more after the imagination of their heart. In those days, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel. Well, too many complicated thoughts in that lot. Anyway, so number one, the first thing that was missing from the restored temple was the Ark of the Covenant. That's the last reference in Jeremiah and nobody has seen the Ark of the Covenant since, except this person who says he's found it today and um, that he wasn't allowed to show where it was. Well, time will tell. Okay, number two, and uh, each of them are interrelated, number two, the second thing that was missing was the Shekinah glory presence. Because you see, the Shekinah glory, uh, the the Jews call it the the glory presence, the Shekinah glory, the glory could only be upon the ark. And if there's no ark, there's no glory, because the ark of the covenant was the, the throne for the glory. In the the Tabernacle of Moses, once the ark was taken in the Tabernacle of Moses, the glory of God left Mount Sinai and came and dwelt upon the ark. When the ark was taken into the Temple of Solomon, the glory of God came back and sat upon the ark. No ark, no glory, so the Shekinah glory presence. Number three, these are all interrelated remember, The third thing that was missing and both all these things were in the tabernacle of Moses and in the temple of Solomon they're all missing from the restored temple number three was the sacred fire on the altar that came out from the Shekinah glory say that again the sacred fire on the altar from the Shekinah glory that came out from the Shekinah glory see when the glory of God came onto the tabernacle of Moses way back here, we're told that the fire came out from the glory, because it was the Shekinah glory fire, so the fire came out from the glory and burnt the sacrifice on the altar. When the temple of Solomon was dedicated, the glory of God came down, the priest could not minister, but fire came out from the glory and the fire burnt the sacrifice. So no art, no glory, no glory, no fire, supernatural fire. Glory, fire. So number three. The third thing that was missing... Uh, uh, the fourth, there, yeah, that's right, you can count. Okay, the fourth thing was this, was the two mysterious stones in the garments of the High Priest which was called the Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and the Thummim, the two mysterious stones which was in the four square breastplate of the high priest by which he received the mind of God. We haven't got time, but we could spend... from the high priest's garments were missing uh, to get the mind of God. And then there was a connection that I can't take time to explain. There was a connection where the priest would have to stand before the ark and then God would communicate to him through these two stones which of the tribes were the problem. haven't got time to explain that too much but just make a note if you want about Achan and his household all right number five after Malachi from Malachi onwards we have 400 silent years there is no prophetic voice the Holy Spirit ceased to speak the Holy Spirit ceased to speak through the prophets all this period of time we have prophets of the, uh, the land, prophets in the Babylonian captivity, prophets of the restoration period, but Malachi is the last of the prophets and there's no prophetic voice. God ceased to speak by the Holy Spirit through his prophets. All right. Now, let's go across to number 13. Now, the events that I've just summarized here are the greatest events that any city in the world has ever seen the visit of the wise men to Jerusalem the visit of the star to Jerusalem very intelligent stars I've mentioned once before the star came and stood over Bethlehem where the young child was not a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn contrary to teaching very intelligent star and then we have the birth of the Messiah and number 14, 30 years later or so, we have the ministry of John the Baptist for about six months. And then 15 and 16, Jerusalem experienced the greatest ministry that the world has ever seen. In the three and a half years ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and the 12 apostles, when he sent out the 12, there is no city in the world that has ever seen such signs and wonders. Let me read off my notes here. The city of Jerusalem experienced the greatest ministry the world has ever seen. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the long-promised Messiah. The signs and wonders and the three and a half years of amazing ministry as we see in in the uh, Gospels. No other city has experienced such visitation. Now, the sad part is, and uh, number 16 you can put in with that even in the book of Acts, the early church ministry. Now, I want you to go over to Matthew chapter 23, because we want to link up now with number 7 on the right-hand side. So, after the 400 years, we have all these events that I've mentioned, men, the birth of John the Baptist, the birth of the Messiah, and here this city commits the greatest sin of all sins and that is the rejection of their own Messiah. There couldn't be any greater, how many know that in, in very sim, uh, simple language that is the unpardonable sin? See? This may be a shock we deal with this in theology, but see, Jesus Christ died for every sin in the world except one. He didn't die for the sin of unbelief. So nobody will go to hell because of their sins, they will, but that's not the ultimate. The unpardonable sin in very simple language is the sin of unbelief. The Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin because they smoke, because they drink, because they have drugs, because they are immoral. Or because they, no, the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin because they believe not on me. The damnable sin is the sin of unbelief. Jesus died for every other sin in the world, but he didn't die for that. So when people stand before the Lord at the great white throne judgment, are they going to go to hell for all the sins they've committed? answer is yes, but the root sin is unbelief. Why didn't you believe on me? Because all the sins... Of the world are traced back to the root sin, unbelief. I mean you hear what I'm saying here, eh? and Jesus didn't die for that. I died for every sin, even if you don't believe on me. Now I died for every sin. I took all your sins, on my, in, my, in my body on the tree, but not the sin of unbelief. That's why Revelation says those who go in the lake of fire, fearful and unbelievers. Okay, the root sin. Turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. And I want you to listen now because Jesus is coming to the end of his three and a half years ministry. Uh, They've taken counsel to crucify him, AD 34. And so listen to what he says in um, in verse uh, uh, 23. And we'll go to... Yeah, we'll go to verse 29 I think okay. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites Because you build the tombs of the prophets And garnish the sepulchres of the righteous And you say, oh if we'd been in the days of our fathers We would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves That you are the children of them which kill the prophets Fill you up then the measure of your fathers You serpents, you generation of vipers How can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore behold I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes and some of them you will kill and crucify some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and you will persecute them from city to city that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel the first martyr in the book of Genesis unto the blood of Zacharias son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Okay, let's go back now, go on a little bit. A.D. 70, 40 years later. Let's see these dates, significant. That upon you may come all the righteous blood, okay. Then in verse, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I mean, you know, the pathos and what was in the heart of the Lord. I mean, we, when Jesus knew all the city, we've just gone over, you know, a brief history of it. So you look back over the city of Jerusalem from when David took it, Jerusalem, the joy of the whole earth, the holy city, the city of righteousness and peace, should have been the model city, the uh, righteous city to all the cities of the earth, people coming up to Jerusalem, the holy city. And now, all the prophets that have been there and the prophets that have been slain, rejection, And the worst thing was now not just to reject the prophets but to reject the Word made flesh, their own long prophesied Messiah. That was the greatest sin of Jerusalem. So he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth a chicken under her wings, but ye would not. And then as we've said before, behold your house, no longer my father's house, your house desolate and Jesus as we've said before did this physical symbolic act he went out departed from the temple and prophesied its destruction verse 2 of chapter 24 see you not all these things well I say unto you there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down turn quickly to Luke chapter 19 Luke 19 Luke 19 so you'll notice in the Matthew 1 Jesus uh, prophesies over Jerusalem that the temple would be destroyed now listen to the prophecy of Luke Luke chapter 19 and um, verse 41 yes Luke 19 verse 41 and when he was come near he beheld the city and wept over it I mean you know uh, only Jesus could weep over the city of Jerusalem because he knew its whole history and now they're committing the, the terrible sin of crucifixion, rejecting their own Messiah. He wept over it. Um, how many have been to Jerusalem, by the way? Okay. Uh, you know, these scriptures became very much alive to me. I was in Jerusalem on some uh, well-mapped seminars down ministering to the Arabs, ministering to the Messianic Jews And as I was uh, in the motel, hotel on the side of Mount of Olives, I was just looking over and thought, wow, this is the city Jesus wept over. This is the city that had all this glory and crucified their own Christ. No wonder he wept. And he said, he wept over and said, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, I mean, city of Jerusalem, city of righteousness, city of peace, and the king of righteousness, king of peace, was with them. But now they are hidden from your eyes. And listen to his next part of his prophecy: For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, enclose you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in it. They, They will not leave in it one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. So this is the prophecy of Jesus. Jesus said, I want you to go to Luke 21, one other scripture on this. Luke 21, and add something else to what Jesus said. Luke 21 and verse 20. And Jesus now gives the apostles and the disciples a sign. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then the, let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let them which are in the midst of it depart out. Let them not, uh, let not them that in the countries enter thereinto. For these be the ta- days of vengeance, and all things which are written must be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck, in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And listen to it, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now I should have extended this chart out here, but Jesus is prophesying in these prophecies are giving you the same four things that are going to happen in AD 70 which happened here. So this was under Babylon, okay? Now, under the quote-unquote this is, the New Testament spiritual Babylon picked that up from last week Rome is going to do exactly what Babylon did back here so in AD 70 we have one the destruction of the temple number two we have the destruction of the city number three we have the Jews scattered to all nations of the earth in fact Josephus says there were not enough trees upon which to crucify the Jews they denuded the country And number four, they devastated the land. And Jesus said, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until, once you link it up here, the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Just make a note of that. The times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Jerusalem trodden down until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Okay, so... Go over to your column on the left again. So the great tragedy is Christ crucified in AD 34. Number eight, the Holy Spirit in the church was rejected. Though we see 3,000 Jews saved, 5,000 multitudes of men and women as a nation, as a Jewish nation the Holy Spirit was rejected in the church and so number 9, which were put on there, in AD 70, Roman armies came in and fulfilled the fourfold desolations. I want you to make a note of this if you want to. The greatest tragedy of this is that Jesus who came from heavenly Jerusalem to earthly Jerusalem was handed a cross. Now that will mean something in a little while. So he who came from heavenly Jerusalem to earthly Jerusalem was handed a cross. Earthly Jerusalem rejected him who came from heavenly Jerusalem. Now, how are you all doing out there, all right? I ask your question. I want you to work through with me now because, uh, let's see, yeah. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll do this and come back. I, want, I, I, don't, I don't want to spend more than one night on this. I want you to work through with me, just briefly, of what Jesus said, what Paul said, what Hebrews said, what John said, and then what Zechariah said. So, Jerusalem is going to be a burdensome stone, it's going to be a cup of poison, a cup of trembling. I want you to see what these all these writers now say about earthly Jerusalem. Listen carefully, and I, I hope it'll answer some questions it did for me. Okay, so let's turn to John chapter 4. We can only touch on these things very briefly John chapter 4 Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and she gets into a religious argument about places of worship so in verse 19 the woman said unto him sir I perceive that you are a prophet well when he tells her you've had five husbands and the guy you're living with now is not your husband that's enough to make anybody think you were a prophet and she gets into religious argument our fathers worshiped in this mountain that is in Mount Gerizim a Samaritan and you say Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship Jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when neither in this mountain Gerizim nor yet at Jerusalem shall you worship the Father you worship you don't know what we know what we worship for salvation of the Jews but the hour cometh in fact it now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father, not in Gerizim, not in Jerusalem, but in spirit and in truth. The major point I want you to pick up there, the moment Jesus said, not in Jerusalem or in Gerizim, number one here, he repudiated Jerusalem as a place of worship. Okay, he repudiated Jerusalem as a place of worship. Because you see, with Daniel and all them, when they were in Babylon captivity, they had to open their windows. And three times a day pray towards, not Mecca, uh, pray towards Jerusalem. And the Ethiopian came up to Jerusalem for the worship. Everybody would go up to Jerusalem for the worship. Jesus said, hey, places no longer. The Father is wanting true worshippers who worship worshipping. Where two or three are gathered, in my name. In every place those that call upon the name. So number one, Jesus repudiated Jerusalem as a place of worship. Anywhere we can worship in spirit and truth. All right, number two, quickly, Galatians chapter 4. Those of you who were here for James from Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, listen to what Paul says about earthly Jerusalem. Verse 21. Tell me, ye, the desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written, Abraham had two sons, one by a bondmaid, bond the other by a free woman. But he who is of the free woman, of the bond woman, was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these two, these two sons are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. And listen to verse 25. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and it corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem which is above is free and is the mother of us all Saul. There's two Jerusalems there. Earthly Jerusalem, and this is true today as when Paul had. Earthly Jerusalem which now is, is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem which is above is free and is the mother of Saul. Am I telling the truth tonight? Is this what the Bible is saying? Amen. So it depends which city we're looking at. So Jesus repudiated Jerusalem as a place. Worship no longer interested in places. Paul repudiates. Now let's go to number three. What Hebrews said. And if Paul wrote Hebrews. Now I put up there in Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12. We have three chapters that refer to earthly Jerusalem and heavenly Jerusalem. Okay, listen to Hebrews, what did I say? Um, Sorry, correction there. Hebrews 11, 12, and 13. Sorry, Hebrews 11, 12, and 13. Listen to Hebrews 11 and think. Verse uh, 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I want to ask you the question, is Abraham looking for the earthly city of Jerusalem or the heavenly city? What would you think? Whose builder and maker is God. Go to verse 16. It talks about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and says but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city earthly Jerusalem or heavenly Jerusalem. Where do you think Abraham got that promise about the city? I would venture to say when Melchizedek king of righteousness and king of Salem the heavenly Jerusalem priest of the most high God came and gave him the communion and Abraham received, uh, he received tithes of Abraham. I believe that's when he got it. Hebrews 12, verse 22. But you are not, you have come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, no mistake here, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to a new company of angels, and so on. The heavenly Jerusalem. Hebrews 13. You see, when you understand the book of Hebrews, What's their concern? We're losing our earthly city. We're losing our uh, uh, material temple. We're losing our Aaronic priesthood, the priesthood, vows and smells and, and incense and nonsense. We're going to be driven out the city. Jerusalem's just about to be destroyed. Hebrews written about four years before its destruction. So what are we going to do? The writer of the Hebrews say, hey, you've got a better priesthood, you've got a better city, you've got a better temple, a better priesthood, a better sacrament. Everything's better. You don't need to go back to that thing. You need to be weaned from it, like a lot of Christians do today. Thank you, Kevin, that's a very good point. Hebrews 13 and verse uh, 11. For the bodies of those beasts, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, But what about Jerusalem? Isn't that going to be in the millennium? Aren't we going to go and be able to dribble in Jacob's well? We have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. All right, what Hebrews? Now let's go to the real crunch number four here. Revelation chapter 11. Can I have a few more minutes? I was going to take it anyway. Thank you, but I just, I needed confirmation people say kevin we love your tapes we can turn you off on a tape now i want you to notice this is the major chapter in the book of revelation about earthly jerusalem i want to just give you some major points and i want to bring up to some history and wrap this up and give you a few predictions like last week wow number verse two i want you to note the references and there's you know, I have a lot of friends and minister friends and they, they do mental gymnastics with this chapter. Hermeneutical balderdash, I call it. We're still friends because they spiritualize it all away. Let's leave the Bible. What's, my, what's one of my favorite sentences? If the Bible makes common sense, seek no other sense or you get into nonsense. Right? Verse 2. The court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Want not you pick up two th- thoughts there? The holy city. Why is Jerusalem the holy city? Because the prophets of God there, the temple of God have been there, city of God, Jesus had been there, the holy lamb of God. That's the only thing that made it a holy city. That's verse 1. Second thing I want you to pick up out of that verse, it's to be trodden underfoot three and a half years. Later on we hope on a Thursday night to do something on that. Three and a half years. May I say for the present, three and a half years, tribulation. Verse verse 2, that's A and B. Verse 3 to 6, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy, 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and two candlesticks. Two olive trees come out of Zechariah. In other words, verse uh, verse 5, And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out their mouth, devours their enemies. What prophet had fire come down from heaven and burn those who opposed him? Anybody? Elijah, Elijah? only one that ever did. Verse 6, these have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. What prophet did that? What is the, who is the only prophet in the Bible that closed up heaven? Elijah. And how long do you close it up for? Three and a half years. Same period of time here. And have power over waters to turn them to blood? Whoever did that? And smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will? Who did that? So though they're not named... Something there so two witnesses are going to be in Jerusalem no need to spiritualize it away as I said Babylon and Jerusalem are coming into prominence great right away in the days that lie ahead then verse seven through to ten after three and a half uh, d- uh years ministry they are killed and all the earth rejoices because in verse 9 we're told they, they suffer their d- uh, dead bodies not to be put in the graves and the earth, they that dwell on the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry uh, how will they know how many know with television no problem no problem worldwide then I want you to notice verse 8 verse 8 and verse 8 though in verse 2 it's referred to as the holy city I want you to see what it says in verse 8 Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom. And I want to say it while we're here. Sodom had two witnesses and was destroyed by fire and brimstone. And Egypt, Egypt had two witnesses and was destroyed by plagues. And there's no mistake in the city, it says, where our Lord was crucified. Very clear. So, holy city in verse 2 It's spiritually Sodom, spiritually Egypt, where our Lord was crucified. Now, verse uh, 11 and 12 and uh, H verse 13. I want you to notice, after three and a half days, the spirit of life enters into these two witnesses and they have a resurrection. They not only have a resurrection, they have an ascension in verse 12. They ascended up to heaven in cloud, just like Jesus did after his three and a half years' ministry in death, burial, and resurrection. And now what happens to the earthly Jerusalem? Verse 13, And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were frightened affrighted, and gave glory to God. So, ends up with an earthquake. Now, I want you to go over to one other scripture, and then a couple of things we wrap up before we finish. Turn over to Revelation 16 Revelation 16 Revelation 16 and verse 17 and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and there came a great voice out of the temple, of heaven from the throne, saying, "It is done. It is finished. It is done." And there were voices, thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. The great city here is Jerusalem. Then notice next. And the cities of the nations fell. And then next, Great Babylon came in remembrance before God. Great city, then the cities of the nations, and then great Babylon. You'll find that when Jesus comes a second time, there's going to be a worldwide earthquake that's going to shake everything that can be shaken. Let me just finish on this. So much more that we could say. I have uh, here... Too much history to give you but i have the history of the whole of jerusalem right from bc 19 to abraham right through to its destruction here right through to its restoration under malachi and the and then right through to here AD uh, there then i've got the history of what happened right through when one man uh, in ad 362 tried to rebuild the temple and fire came out from the earth scared the life out of me stopped I've got the history of Jerusalem right through to the Turkish Empire, but here's the significant thing. If we take BC 606 and 603, and the seven times punishment about Jerusalem, this is what you've got. 2,520 years. Take 606 or uh, 3 off it. You know what it brings you to? 1914, 19... and I think uh, enough of us know history there in 1914 we've got the whole history of Jerusalem here the Turks entered World War I 1917 General Allenby accepted the city, the surrender of the city to the English not a shot was fired because they said Allenby Allah and felt he'd come in the name of God, Allah and uh, the Balfour Declaration was signed. Then I have the history right through to the Yom Kippur War and its aftermath. All right, how will I finish up? Predictions, quickly. I've gone long enough tonight. How many see there's some, something significant there, though? Two th- from the time of uh, Babylon's desolations for the city to 1914, 917, we have 2,520 years, times of the Gentiles something relative to the city now. I'm not saying everything else. Okay, predictions. Number one, quickly, write write both hands. The city of Jerusalem will come into greater prominence under the reign of the Antichrist. Same as Babylon. Okay, the city of Jerusalem will come into greater uh, uh, prominence under the reign of the Antichrist. Number two, you can get the tape we'll sell your tape quick the two witnesses testify to the house of judah of their long rejected messiah the two witnesses this may answer some of the questions well what about the jew where does the jew fit in so number one the city of jerusalem coming into greater prominence under the reign of the antichrist number two the two witnesses testify to the house of judah of their long rejected messiah that's why Zechariah, which we haven't turned to and we haven't got time, it says they will weep and the spirit of supplication and mourning will be poured upon the house of Judah and they will mourn as for an only son when they get their eyes opened. Watch Judah and Jerusalem. Number three, linking up with last week, this is why I predict, okay? <laughs> I'm not prophesying, I predict. The Antichrist will make Jerusalem his religious, religious capital in the Great Tribulation, but Babylon the political and commercial capital. Remember I predicted that last week? So Jerusalem and Babylon, watch those two cities. They're both in Revelation, both coming into prominence. And one will be the religious capital because Jerusalem unites Christianity, Judaism and Mohammedanism, Islam, the three greatest world religions. All look to Jerusalem. So the only Christ makes Jerusalem is religious capital, and Babylon the political and commercial. Um, I'm going to have to skip some. Number make this number four. When Jesus comes the second time, the nations will gather against Jerusalem. The nations will gather against Jerusalem. And at that time, it will be a burdensome stone and a cup of poison to anybody who touches it. So I'll say that again. So that at the coming of the Lord, the nations, that's Armageddon, that's when Armageddon is out of it. Okay. Uh, well, the nations will gather against Jerusalem and at that time, it will be a burdensome stone and a cup of trembling. And then the last thing I predict, i have have to leave a few out because of time, At the second coming of the Lord, He comes to the Mount of Olives from where He left. And I have a bunch of scriptures here. So at the second coming, He comes to the Mount of Olives from whence He left. There is a great and mighty earthquake, we're told. Great and mighty earthquake. Nothing like it since the world began, in fact, it says. And then it says that Jerusalem, the cities of the nations... And Babylon are going to be destroyed like Solomon Gomorrah with fire and brimstone from heaven it's pretty heavy I'll say that again so at the coming of the Lord he comes to the Mount of Olives from whence he left and there's a great and mighty earthquake and Jerusalem and all the cities of the nations and Babylon are going to be destroyed like Solomon Gomorrah and the surrounding cities it says by fire and brimstone I think you've had enough for tonight. Someone said yes? How many of you have had too much? So uh, just keep your eyes on those things, watch the news, but uh, I'll end up saying this, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm not looking for that uh, earthly Jerusalem to be the headquarters in the millennium. Okay, let's all stand. You've had overtime tonight. How many of you have got something tonight? Something to think about. And and if you disagree, you know, disagree agreeably. These things prove themselves. But, uh, you know, I've told you before I don't make statements just wild just for the fun of it. I have done my homework and this is how I see it. Okay, let's all stand. Closing a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege we have of uh, being in your presence and receiving of your wonderful word. We thank You, Lord, that uh, everything is known unto You from the beginning of the world. And Father, in these days, though we see what's happening in Babylon, with Saddam Hussein, and see what's happening in Jerusalem as a burdensome stone, and the new Prime Minister, Lord, as believers, we are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Though our eyes may see the earthly Jerusalem, our eyes are really on the heavenly city that John saw in Revelation 21, a holy city New Jerusalem, the dwelling place of the redeemed. Father, help us to take the character of the holy city upon us in the midst of a crooked and perverse society. Bless your word to our hearts and may it produce not just uh, information to our mind, but formation of our character. Bless us now as we separate until we gather again in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you real good. We'll start a new different session next week. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.